Father, this morning, Lord, what a joy it is to, uh, to know that we can come uh, to our Heavenly Father, the very uh, throne of God, and uh, come to you, O Lord, and as a child would crawl up in his father's lap, uh, that you're our Daddy Father, you're our Abba Father, and we can crawl right up into your lap and tell you that we love you and, and, uh, and ask things of you and Lord, knowing that you hear us, that you love us even more than we love ourselves. and So, Lord, help us to, uh, to just see the need of prayer uh, as we uh, pray with our wives and our husbands and, and those in the church as there are different needs. God, may we see that uh, without you we can do nothing, that uh, we're helpless and powerless without uh, your spirit. And so, Lord, we, we do lift up uh, these requests that have been uh, made and uh, for Child Evangelism Fellowship. God, just bless that ministry and, and, and the meetings that are coming uh, and, and the strength, uh, Lord, that uh, is needed to carry out this. Lord, uh, uh, I would pray for, for Philip as he is separated right now. And I just pray, God, that you would bless this ministry, Lord. We lift them to you at this time. And, and for Ethan and, and, Lord, for Sam and for uh, those in our uh, midst, for uh, Wilson and, and uh, those who need you, need the working of your Holy Spirit in their lives. And I pray for them, Lord. Uh, and Lord, I would lift up our marriages to you and... and uh, God, help us to uh, uh, bow before you. Help us to bow in humility and to, to love our wives as Christ loves the church and gave, him up, gave himself up for her. Uh, Lord, what a responsibility we as men have and, and for wives as, as they submit to their husbands. Uh, so, Lord, just uh, bind us together, bind our marriages together, and, and uh, we pray, Father, for this Muslim child, uh, Talia, and Amelia's uh, class. Uh, just open uh, her heart to the truth of the gospel, and uh, for, uh, for Troy, for protection for, uh, for him in the Gulf, and for joy, and, and healing for her. Uh, I pray, Father, for of those that aren't with us this day as they come to mind and, and Lord that you would uh, just bless them and uh, we'll give you the, the praise and the glory Lord for what you're, you're doing in our lives and we just lift these requests in uh, the wonderful name of Jesus Amen <clears throat> God's word Mark chapter 3 and uh this is a story that's found in three Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, this passage today, uh, that is Mark 3, 22 through 30. So if you have uh, your, your swords there, open them, your, your sword uh, to uh, Mark 3. And we'll read together uh, these words. Uh, Today, I would say 
that uh, there's a confusion. Uh, there's people who are, are Christians who are shaken by such strong statements that we find in God's Word that there is a sin that can be committed that's unforgivable. And, uh, and these are scary words. Okay, I'm not, I'm not minimizing God's word here. These are scary words. As we'll see, if we are really truly born again, then we and, and you cannot commit the unpardonable sin. But there are those who have been churchgoers, who have been evangelists, who have been pastors uh, in uh, great uh, positions in the Christian church that have fallen away, and I believe probably have committed this sin because they were never genuine to begin with. And we're going to look at some of those, those passages uh, today. We saw last week Jesus' fam, uh, family thought he was uh, a fanatic, that he had gone too far, that he was out of his mind. He must tone it down a lot. And uh, we, so we talked about fanaticism. And uh, I hope that you think about me as a fanatic. Has anybody ever called you a fanatic? Yes. And if not, why not? <laughs> because we are to be fanatical for Christ. He is, he is who we live for. He is, it's all about Him. And we should be fanatics. And uh, today, we'll read about these extreme critics of uh, these Jewish leaders, these, these scribes, who of course didn't love Christ. They didn't. Uh, uh, they resisted Christ, and uh, they were even plotting his death. And they accuse him of working uh, with Satan by the power of Satan. Christ was doing these things, and we see how he responded to these critics. And uh, he, of course, Jesus is the master of response. Amen. He asks questions that really drive in the nail, you might say. And we need to be better about uh, our response to people and be ready to give an answer. Uh, and so uh, let us take heed uh, to how he responds. And we, may we be also uh, giving good response. But let's, let's read together Mark chapter 3 beginning in verse 22. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. And he cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. And he called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house divided against itself, uh, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided. He cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Uh, truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemes, blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Because they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. Very, very scary words. And we find other 
portions of scripture that are just as scary that we're going to look at this morning. But uh, it's, it's in our reading in Matthew 12, uh, Jesus obviously cast out a demon because Mark here uh, doesn't say really why they said what they said. But Matthew does as, as you, did I do something? In, uh, in Matthew 12, it says that he uh, does cast out a demon. Uh, okay. A demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him. That's really a, a just in passing here. He was blind and mute. He had real physical problems, and then... When he, the demon was cast out, it appears that these uh, physical problems disappeared as well. A lot of times, I believe your physical problems can be caused by a spiritual problem. Not always, but in this case, it, we see that he was healed. He says, the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? And the replied answer there in the Greek is, no, he cannot be. That's what they were implying. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. And so it could not be denied that this man had been healed, okay? I mean, evidently, his demeanor, his, his physical, uh, it, was, it was obvious because this had been a man who had suffered this for years and years. He was well known, and he was obviously healed. So they couldn't say, oh, it's a trick. It's something that, that uh, you got this man to, to act this way so you can fake it. They knew it had not been faked, okay? And so the only answer, the two, two possibilities, either he did it by the power of God or they did it or he did it by the power of Satan. And so they choose that he, to say that he did it by the power of Satan, that he was working with Satan. And so to show how absurd this accusation is, Jesus uh, gives them questions that they can't answer. And uh, again, we should be uh, that way in how we answer. We need to really have good answers for people that ask. And uh, he says, first question, how can Satan keep on going, uh, driving out Satan? How can he continue if he is going against uh, uh, what he's all about? And the, of course, the obvious answer is he can't. And so he illustrates that the kingdom divided against itself uh, cannot stand. In other words, division leads to destruction is what Jesus is saying. Why would I be going against what Satan is for? You see, that wouldn't even make any sense. And uh, so it's quite obvious here. He says also a house in verse 25 divided against itself cannot stand. And beloved a family divided against itself cannot stand. Amen. A husband and wife have to be in unity 
for that marriage to stand. And as pointed out, there are a lot of marriages that are just falling apart because there's disunity in that marriage. A lot of churches are falling apart because there's disunity. Uh, the focus, uh, the priorities uh, of that church or that family uh, needs to be repaired. And this is what Jesus said. So how does Jesus do these miracles? How does... What is going on? How do these come about? And he answers that in Matthew 12, 28 and 29. But if I, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, and that's what he was doing, by the way. It, he was doing it by the power of the Spirit of God. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Wake up. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house? And who is the strong man? I believe he's speaking of Satan and carry off its property unless he first binds the strong man, and then uh, he will plunder his house. What Jesus said is, I'm stronger than Satan. Uh, I am powerful through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I am now coming against Satan, and I am casting out this, this evil spirit that this man has. And he said, because of that, the kingdom of God has come upon you. He is the king of that kingdom. And he is amongst them. And uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, these miracles show that, that the kingdom of God has come and that he is stronger than, than Satan himself. In the account in Luke, we will read, verse 20 and 23, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, or the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that's what he was doing. When a strong man fully armed, again Satan is fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger, Jesus, then he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Pretty, pretty clear, I think. Uh, in other words, if, you, if you're not on my side, you're on Satan's side. Uh, whose side are you on this morning? Whose side are you on this morning? You can only be on one side. You can't have a foot in one kingdom and a foot in the other kingdom. You've got to either be in this kingdom or the other kingdom. That's what Jesus is telling them here. Are you with me or are you against me? And beloved, that is true of you this morning. You're either for Jesus or you're against Jesus. Now, I believe everybody here is. I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody. Well, I am looking at some of you. <laughs> if I look at you, I'm not talking about you. I'm just looking at you. <laughs> uh, I remember that happened in the... I remember that happened. A man was preaching. He looked down... It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> because he, he looked at him in the eye. I guess he thought he was speaking of him. But uh, anyway, what makes the unpardonable sin so different from others? And I think it's because of its relationship to the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is pointing out. We saw this morning in Sunday school uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And... Uh, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And, uh, and of course, there was life that came forward. 
ingest is it in the created world, in the spiritual world, it's true as well. The Spirit of God quickens. The Spirit of God enlightens. The Spirit of God changes. The Spirit of God regenerates. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's always been through the power of the Holy Spirit that God changes. And uh, uh, He does all of these things. And you can read about that, particularly in John 3, where Jesus said, You must be born again. How? By the Spirit of God. By the Spirit. And uh, I would ask you, I hope this morning, you have been born again, that you know Christ, that you are a new creature in Christ, that the Holy Spirit is in you. Uh, uh, By His power, you live the Christian life. You're kept by the power of God. It's It's all about the Holy Spirit in our lives. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Someone said this uh, about the sin. He said, When his influence, that is, the Holy Spirit's influence, is deliberately and knowingly refused in opposition to the light, then the irreversible sin can be committed as a voluntary, uh, uh, informed act of malice. And so these Pharisees, these scribes, it was, it was silly for them to say this is by the power of Beelzebub. For one thing, they knew that Satan couldn't do what was being done. Only God could do what They knew that. And so he's, Jesus is saying, look, you people better wake up because what is going on in your midst is the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet they refused it, you see. Now, it doesn't say here whether Jesus doesn't say you have committed the unpardonable sin. Now, you can't find that, that he actually says that they had done that. What he is doing is giving a warning, a warning. So the scripture uh, gives warnings, and we want to we look uh, into that. Uh, a severe warning. Uh, it's a sin that cannot be forgiven. That's how, how strong it is. In Mark, uh, back to Mark chapter 3, in verse 28, he says, uh, Amen. He warns them. He said, uh, let me turn to Mark here. In verse 20, Truly, or Amen, I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whosoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Very, very strong language. And, but you know what? We have, I believe here, uh, a very words of encouragement. And what do we find? He said, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men. Aren't you glad? All sins. Do you see the encouragement in that? All sins shall be, whether it's murder, whether uh, it's adultery, uh, as David committed, uh, whatever sin it is, it will be forgiven. So there's a lot of encouragement here as well. He doesn't list ten things that you'll never be. He doesn't say if you've murdered somebody, you can't be forgiven. 
there's great encouragement here that we do have the forgiveness of sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all, un all unrighteousness. So don't just dwell here on the negative because that's not my point. There is forgiveness of sins. And that's a, that's a wonderful bit of encouragement here. They will be for uh, whatever blasphemies against man, mocking somebody, railing against somebody, uh, defaming someone, uh, lying about someone, they're all forgiven. Even against God, it says, uh, blaspheming God's name is forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I used the Lord's name uh, in vain quite a bit. Uh, I'm ashamed of that, and I wish that had not happened in my life, but uh, uh, using the Lord's name in vain is forgiven. Even against Jesus. Did you see what Jesus said in Luke 12? Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But then he says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. So using the Lord's name in vain, which many of us have, have done, is forgivable. And so don't think just because you have said, oh my God, in a vain way, that that's what he's talking about here, because he's not. He's talking about a willful uh, Response here, some, something that is deep within, something that, uh, uh, that these Pharisees and these critics of him uh, had. But it is, verse, verse 29, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, uh, you're guilty of eternal punishment. It's scary. And uh, I think very clearly here, the unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's the unpardonable sin. Boy, then you get into all the interpretations of what that is. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, I think there were 12 or 15 different interpretations of what that looks like, how that is, what, it, what is it, uh, and so forth. And you might ask, well, preacher, what constitutes blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Why is blasphemy against the Father and Son forgiven, but not against the Holy Spirit? Good question. I think we also, we just can't take this passage alone, but we have to go to other portions of Scripture. One is Hebrews chapter 6. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And this is also a scary portion of Scripture. This is one of those scriptures that you just don't go and read uh, maybe for devotions uh, uh, because it's a scary passage. But we need to, we need to be aware of this passage. Uh, a lot of people think that the, the Christian is being described here who falls away and then becomes lost. I don't hold to that uh, view. I don't think he's talking about that here. Verse 4 uh, it's the, the heading on your Bible may be, mine says, the peril of falling away. In uh, verse 4, Hebrews chapter 6, it says, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made, made partakers. Ah, oh, you say, there it is. Uh, see, the Christian uh, of the Holy Spirit and have 
tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, seen miracles and, and all of these things that uh, they've been partakers of in the sense of seeing them, uh, not necessarily being in their hearts part of them. We see that in the Old Testament. We saw that in, in uh, our Sunday school, how uh, Balaam was a false prophet. And yet God used Balaam. He even spoke to Balaam. I could be... I could be lost preaching to you and you could get saved even though I may be a lost person who's preaching. You see what I'm saying? Because it's the power of the Word of God. It's, uh, there have been great evangelists who have preached great, powerful sermons, had people... Sw- and then at the end of their lives, they denounce Christ and everything that uh, has to do with Christ. And so does that mean that they were a Christian and then lost it? I don't think so. I think they were phony from the beginning. For whatever reason, uh, I don't know. And so I think he's describing here uh, the person that has, has tasted the good word. He's been in, under good preaching, possibly. And, and uh, then, he says, has fallen away. Verse 6, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Now, I think that this is key here. When they fall away it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Isn't that unforgivable? I think it is. That's unforgivable sin. They will not come to repentance. They're fallen away. Now you may have known some people in your thinking right now that fit this description. I do. Now whether they have committed the unpardonable sin, I don't know. And I don't know that there's any way we can know that about anybody. And I think we ought to keep praying for people that, that may be uh, guilty of this uh, because uh, that's what we're told to do. We need to, we need to pray for these people. And uh, because they may not have uh, committed this sin. And, uh, but uh, there are those false prophets. There are those false prophets who are wolves in sheep's clothing, like Balaam. Uh, Judas was one. He, he, was, he tasted all that. He saw the miracles. He's, he he uh, probably was even used by God when he went out and could have even he- seen people healed. But see, that was the Spirit of God that was using him. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Spirit of God had changed his heart, that he was born again, that he had humbled himself. He was just like Balaam, used by God. And, and just like me, I can be used by God, but be a phony. So I want you to keep this, uh, I'm not, but, uh, uh, but there, that is a possibility. But in verse 6 now, it also says, some translations say, and if they fall away. And somebody would say, well, it's impossible for them to fall away. But actually, there's no if in the Greek. And because it says, having fallen away. They really do fall away. All right? This is not something that's possible but isn't possible because I don't think it's speaking here of a saved person at all. It's somebody who makes a profession of faith but really is not a born-again Christian. Uh, But it's very clear here. These people really do fall away. What does fall away mean? Um... There's nothing inside them that's genuine. 
they're still maybe trusting in their own goodness and not in Jesus' blood. Uh, maybe they have stopped smoking. They have stopped uh, swearing. Uh, they clean up the outward. Uh, they go to all the uh, uh, church gatherings. They've been in uh, healing ministries or whatever. But they willfully, and I like this, they willfully walk out on the Lord, knowing that it's genuine, it's real. But they walk out. And uh, considering these false prophets, Second uh, Peter, that was Hebrews, but we had read that, so that's a, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, 17 through 22. These are springs without water, speaking of the false prophets. They're springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. That doesn't sound like a place I want to go to. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they enticed by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption, you see. For, for by what a man is overcome... By this, he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed uh, on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. It's interesting that he ends this this way. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to the wallowing in the mire. What is he saying? They're not genuine. See, there's never been a heart change. Because what happens when you take a pig and you give it a bath, put a big bow on it, and you open the door and out goes the pig. Where's the pig going to go to? The to the mud hole. That's exactly right. You can take people and put them in a church. You can give them suits to wear. And uh, when they go out the door, they go back to the mud puddle. And a dog returns to his vomit. And we won't even go there. But uh, I think you get the idea. There's nothing changed inwardly. It's all outward. And they're probably doing this, well, I mean, I don't know. There'd be different reasons why they would be doing it. But uh, <clears throat> uh, it, is, it is going on in, in, in their lives. And uh, they're still pigs by nature. And so in Hebrews 10, 26, for if we go on sinning willfully, here we see it again, after receiving the knowledge of the truth. But see, you can receive the knowledge of something. You can, you can have it up here, but if you willfully go on sinning after receiving them, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. It's had no effect on your life. If you reject the one hope, what hope is left? What hope is left? There is no hope. There is no hope. Let me read you a, 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 in closing uh, soon here. Let me read you a definition that uh, John Piper, we studied a lot of. Give, let me give you his definition. The unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an act of resistance 
which belittles the Holy Spirit so grievously that he withdraws forever with his convicting power so that we are never able to repent and be forgiven. Let me read that again. The unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an act of resistance which belittles the Holy Spirit so grievously that he withdraws forever his convicting power so that we are never able to repent and be forgiven. You see, repentance is a gift. Repentance is a gift from God. And these people have never repented. They have actually, inwardly, they have never fallen down before God and seen their sin and, uh, and repented of their sin and come to Jesus alone for salvation. There is no salvation in any other. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to really let that sink in here. And, and for one thing, ask ourselves, am I a phony? Am I just going through the motions? And I hope if God is real that one day I... That does not sound like a new creature in Christ to me. It's not. No, because we have the power of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit in our, who is working in our lives to, to glorify Him and live for Him. And Jesus said, what? You're either for me or what? You're against me. You can't be both. You're either for, I, these are scary words, and, and, and I'm not uh, uh, minimizing it uh, a least bit. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 Take care, brethren. Now, he is speaking to Christians, but he doesn't say that every one of these he's speaking to are Christians. You see what I'm saying? But he, Take care, brethren. There not be any, in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. What is he saying there? You were never genuine. If you fall away, these people that have tasted, that they have come to church, they have played the act, they have looked good, you thought great things of them, and all of a sudden they're gone. He says, uh, uh, with an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today. And we need to be doing that. We need to be encouraging one another. And this probably doesn't sound like a very encouraging message, but it is because God warns us why. Why does God warn us? He loves us. And what He's wanting you to do is examine yourself. Now, I'm not saying beat yourself up and, 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 uh, or anything, but if you're guilty, examine yourself and say, whoa, I've been a phony for years and years. That's what He's, that's what he's saying here. But He says, uh, so that, uh, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by what? A deceitfulness of seed. Sin, sin is so deceiving, you can think that you're something when you're not. You're not. And the thing is, you go, God, I've been, a, I've been a phony for all these years. I'm not living out of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not uh, serving you. I'm serving myself. And, and Lord, uh, just confess it. It's okay. By golly, when you do it, You'll be changed by his power and you'll go, I should have done this years ago.
For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm unto the what? To the end. Those that fall away were never his children. So don't think, and and I believe that uh, uh, when you commit the unpardonable sin, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit who is obviously God who is powerful, who is real, you are rejecting that. You need to submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is, this is so, so important in our Christian life. I don't want to uh, end totally on a, on a uh, negative note, but what happens when you keep resisting the Holy Spirit and you do not... Repent. When you do not fall before God, I think your heart gets harder and harder and harder, and it becomes harder and harder to repent. Until that conviction may not come anymore. But let's end on a positive note. Isaiah 118, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad in Christ all your sins are forgiven? And if you're his child this morning, you will not ever commit the unpardonable sin. All I'm asking you to do is examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith or not. That's not asking too much because I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. He was telling these scribes and Pharisees, you're phonies. Outwardly, you look good, but inwardly, you're raving wolves. There's no life there. There's no love there. There's no joy there. Uh, And the old saying is, if you quack like a duck and walk like a duck, you must be a... You see... Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for your word, and it is convicting. Lord, these are scary passages. Help each one of us, even myself, uh, to examine myself, to make sure that uh, of my uh, election and calling. Lord, that I, I really love you. That, uh, Lord, that you really are changing my life. That you are really working in my life. And yet, Lord, may I take encouragement from the, the scriptures that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That you have taken our sins and separated from them from you as far as the east is from the west. But, Lord, I pray now that you'll work in any hearts this morning that have been deceived by sin. Lord, that they will confess their sins. Uh, And Father, do this by the power of your Holy Spirit working uh, in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.